Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And you are here just in time for another one of our fabulous episodes of the Church Planner Podcast. <laughs> when you said fabulous, my mind went to the love boat. To the camera. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't you know what happened to Rush Limbaugh this very week? And here you are, a radio personality. And come on. You know, he is the one who actually taught me how to do talk radio. Oh, is he? Seriously. Yeah. Back in, back in Sacramento. I worked with him in Sacramento before he moved to New York. No, no way, dude. Yep. So, That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, well uh, Peyton, let me introduce our guest. Yeah. I mean, our, our guest, since you're already hearing him, and this has kind of been our, our new thing, is uh, Andy Froyland, who is an old, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> he is a longtime friend of mine dating back from the 90s. And it, it, it involves meeting Andy. He was the chaperone. He was the handler for a man named Peter Jeffrey, who would soon become my mentor. And uh, Andy is a radio personality. He's a DJ. He, uh, he does uh, a lot of uh, mixing of various podcasts. He's, he's been the guy that engineered Rick Warren's podcast, Once Upon a Time. And uh, Andy is an ex-firefighter, like myself. He is a uh, theologian, uh, a, a pop theologian in his own right, I would say. He wouldn't say, but I would. And uh, he, he had an extensive jail ministry over the years, that uh, uh, prison ministry, which his perspective coming out of that over the years um, really impacted me. We used to have deep conversations, and and I could talk for hours. It's never enough time. And we share similar passions about the Holy Spirit about grace, uh, you name it. 
And uh, so it's an honor to have you on here today, man. It's an honor to be with you, although we do deviate when it comes to Yoda. Mm. How say on, brother? Huh? Say on. Well, people think Yoda was this great thing, and they, people fail to realize that Yoda was being raised solely for the ears. They, they used him on those speeder bikes. <laughs> It was kind of like frog legs with Kermit yeah. the Frog, you know, like yeah. that's what you did. You raised them. They yeah. were a delicacy in seven, yeah. seven systems. Mm-hmm. Only took 900 years to get them to the right point. But, you know, I know, right Yeah. you know, you know, in the uh, in, in the in the cantina, in the first episode, New Home, uh, New Hope episode four, the, the first episode to us old right. schoolers and yes. uh, ugly face on there with Walrus Man says, uh, I you. I'm a one-eyed man in five systems. The reason why is he was doing illegal smuggling of Yoda ears. Yes. Yeah. He's a one-eyed man. Realize that. A lot of people don't. You, you have to have collected the Star Wars trading cards back in the 80s to know this. Exactly. So. Well, there, Pete has my favorite Yoda shirt stuff. on. Pete, huh? you got my favorite shirt on. That's, uh, I mean, I have two versions of that shirt. Do you? I do. It came from Target. I know exactly where it's from. Actually, this came from Amazon because that's where I do all my shopping. Are you serious? Of course. How much you pay for that? <laughs> Probably 20 bucks. <laughs> $8 at Target, my friend. I'm just saying it's on the $7.99 rack. Well, I need to head on over there because this is a workout shirt. So You know what? When you do, buy two. Uh, and for those of you who can't see what we're talking about, it's a Star Wars shirt. Just simply. but it's retro. It's the yeah, exactly. It's the retro Star Wars shirt. It's going to distract me this whole episode. You know, actually, it's because I, I need to do a live stream after this, and so I was like, "What shirt am I going to wear?" I'm wearing Star Wars for the live stream. <laughs> so yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So uh, Andy, um, I got to admit, man, I'm a little bit intimidated because here we are, a couple of jokers on a podcast, and you're a real radio guy. So you know, well, well uh, semi-retired real radio guy, it, you don't want to hear the old school radio anymore, man. It's, it's all time and temp stuff. And, and corporate radio is really downgraded radio a lot. It's just not what it used to be. Mm. We used to have fun back in the eighties, man. Seventies yeah. and eighties was cool. So not anymore, but it was I, fun. I yeah. can imagine, man. But I mean, still it's like, wow. Okay. You're a real radio guy, and we're just a couple of yahoos who are like on a Zoom call going, hey, we're going to make a podcast. Hey, gang, Scott Lang with the downtown Motown Super Skull on your basic Saturday night with Blast from the Past. Do you remember? Do, 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 do. Yeah. There you go. Legit, man. I love it. it. I love it. Well, hey, Andy, one of the first questions we always like to start out our podcast with is uh, for people who don't know you, tell us your story of how you came to faith. Oh, my goodness. That one is, uh, yeah. Pharisee of Pharisees, man. I was raised uh, by a mom who kept me in church, uh, and I use that term loosely. Uh, more often than not, it was a, uh, a home church. Uh, Bibles were seldom used. Uh, chandeliers were constantly used, and there was a demon in every corner, and we were trying to cast him out of that corner, and it always run to another corner. Um, baptized as a Lutheran of all things, um, uh, kind of raised in a Nazarene church for a little bit. And then again, as I got older, mom moved us to these, uh, home groups and you, you just grow up thinking you're a Christian, you know? Mm. Um, I, I go off to, uh, the military in the seventies and realize, uh, quickly that I'm not, not who I, I was, which, you know, most kids end up going through a crisis of faith. And uh, 
you realize, yeah, I'm probably not a Christian. But then again, there was also a part of me that always thought if I did answer that question, am I a Christian? I would have said yes. And if you asked me why, I would have said, well, my mom goes to church. Um, I love baseball and I'm an American. And I would have said it with all sincerity. Um, that's who I am, man. And that's what a Christian is. Uh, fast forward, I get married. I realize, okay, well, I've got to settle down, do the married thing. I got a kid on the way, so let's do church. Uh, we do that for a while. And then I end up uh, moving to Sacramento to, uh, to take a, 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 st- a station job at a Christian station. I always heard that this, the nice back door to major market radio for DJs like me was Christian radio. It's always easy to get your foot in the door in a major market by doing Christian radio. So I did that in Sacramento. Uh, that's where I ended up, uh, uh, you know, Christian radio never pays enough. So you always have to find another gig. And that was uh, when I started working with Rush Limbaugh, KFBK and Care in Sacramento. So I did that for about a year. Uh, at the same time, I had a mutual friend or an acquaintance who uh, thought I'd be good at helping him put radio programs together. Mm. And uh, so I said, yeah, sure. And they were predominantly Calvary Chapel uh, radio programs. Uh, I started doing that, ended up moving, making a long story short, moving to uh, Tulare, uh, going to work with this now best friend of mine. And I remember sitting in there, I was producing a radio program with Bob Coy, who's now gone from the Calvary movement, uh, out of Fort Lauderdale. He was, uh, he was in a series called uh, uh, The Nike Book, Joshua, Just Do It, right? And that was the title of it, Just Do It. And I was producing another pastor who just started going through the Lord's Prayer. And I can remember sitting in my studio thinking, just do it. Just seek God. Just do it. Just seek God. It probably wasn't, I, I know it wasn't me thinking. It was just the Lord going, you don't do that. You're not who you think you are. And it ripped the very foundations out of my life. Um, so much so I had, I had to close shop and go home. And I can remember spending uh, the rest of that day just weeping before the Lord um, on, on my face on the floor. Uh, pharisaical sinner, man, Mm. just ripped to shreds. And in God's tender mercy, he saved me. He said, Mm. okay, uh, uh, you're mine now. I got you. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. uh, You never look back, you know. Uh, The fact that he could save a sinner was easy. I I thought I was good to go, man. Pharisee. Oh, I had it all down. Uh, you know, went to church on Sundays, took my family. I even ran sound at the church I was at. And, uh, yeah, all of that meant nothing, man. Um, it was coming to the knowledge that uh, my wretched soul before God was just that, wretched. And uh, I needed his grace. I needed his saving grace. And trusting in Christ was was the answer to that. Well, that's my story. Um, wow. Stick to it. Sticking to it, right on. It's a good story. So, uh, well, hey, thanks for that. And uh, we are before we um, get into this, we we do a little thing called smack talk, and uh, we uh, we talk smack. And Andy, you fit right into this, man. So I, I'm actually a little bit scared of having you on smack talk. I think it's 
you know, we can, th- th- this podcast can handle two of us, but when we get three of us on here, I don't know about that. So, uh, but one of the things that, um, you know, is really, um, uh, kind of something we've been doing on this podcast, um, really important to me as mentors and, over the last few episodes, um, in reverse order, funny enough, I've had my mentors on here, not by design, it's just kind of been there. And uh, as I've, you have to switch your video off. <laughs> You're banned. <laughs> I am going to stick the oh, video wow. up on the Facebook page. It's so I'm going sorry. up. It's, it's he, smack talk, not smack video, right? He's, uh, he's testing. Bad. See, here's what it is. It's the guy who's like the radio expert. He's going, yeah, you think you got this? You yeah, think you no, got right. what you think you got what You're it takes gonna to do, do this? Podcast. <laughs> oh, like, I'm gonna handle your podcast. Back in the studio, man, we used to have guys running through naked while we were bothering. We, we couldn't slip up. Yeah. That's what he's doing. He's testing our metal Pete. And I failed. He's so, he's so everyone understands he's he's enjoying what looks to be a very delicious cigar. And he's like putting it right up to the camera, <laughs> blowing smoke <laughs> at the camera. <laughs> oh, see? Yeah. Havana, Havana Monty number four. There you see? go. There you go. So, so I'm you so, know, sorry, it's Presbyterian in me. What can I say? And Lutheran, <laughs> it's probably. It's over from that Lutheran baptism, right? That's right. <laughs> so, you know, so, so, anyways, the idea is that we're having these mentor, you know, kind of mentors over, you know, the last few years. We've had Bob Logan, we've had Mac Lake. Um, and now we're going to talk about, uh, after Smack Talk, we'll talk about a guy named Peter Jeffrey, who, if you've listened to Ministry Ninja, we've, um, we've actually got an interview I did with him, gosh, 10 years ago. And my voice is so much higher and, and I speak so much softer. And I'm like, wow. You know, don't even sound like the same dude, but I'm interviewing Peter. Probably some of it is, you know, even though he was as down to earth as they come, he's a mentor I respect beyond, um, you know, I mean, Pete's, Pete's like, hey, Peyton was, was smooching all over Mac last week, five minutes on the email that went out. But I mean, with Peter, man, it's like, we'll get into it. But he was my preaching mentor amongst other things. Um, and we'll, we'll talk. And Andy and I both knew him. In fact, I met Andy through Peter. Um, and yeah, so, the other way around, buddy. Other way around. Well, well, it's true, isn't it? I met you, you guys at you around the same time. Me. Yeah, I, and I, I, I had I, to reach back out to you to say, "Hey, uh, uh, you know, can can I can I can I have his ad? Do you got anything?" And so we'll talk about that. But uh, yeah. but before we do that, let's let's hop into um, some smack talk, Pete. What's been going on this week? I, you know, I can't think of anything major that's been going on. Oh, hey, I did start a new uh, Facebook group for Bivo Pastors. And uh, it's actually kind of cool. You're in it, right? It's pretty fun. Did you not see my comment this morning? What How do you, you Bivo? And and my, my response was, well, I'm really tempted to say naked on here, but... Uh, but then I mentioned all the different different jobs, man, that I've had over the years. And I even I remembered some yet. I forgot. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, no. So uh, I think it was Adam. Adam Richardson. He was like, hey, uh, how are you guys doing Bivo? And it's been cool seeing all these guys chime in with what they're doing as Bivo pastors. So this, this group, it's no cost to be in the group. What it's going to be is just a, a community specifically for our Bivo pastors. In fact, later today, I got to make some uh, some rules of 
what I don't want to have happen in the group because I don't want people like selling stuff or whatever. Like it's just meant to be a community for pastors. Hey, I'm the only one who gets to sell in that group. Let's get that straight right here, right now. And uh, I I had to pay to get on. Well, you're extra, you're extra special. So, you know, Oh, Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so that's been going on. And if you want to join the uh, Bible group guys, all you got to do, uh, here's my shameless plug. Head on over to missionbybusiness.com. When you uh, register to go see the free training I've got up over there, I'm going to send you a text message with a link to the group so you can join it. And uh, and I'm really looking forward to what we can do with that. In fact, who gave me the idea for it, Peyton, was Caesar Kalinowski. He and I have been talking a lot the last couple of weeks. And so he was showing me what he's doing with his uh, group. You know, he's really big in the missional community. And, um, and how he's able to connect and uh, foster a community. And really what's been the driving motivation for it. And if you guys have been watching the videos or listening to the Flash episodes of the podcast, you'll know like one of the things I really want Bible pastors to understand and to get through their head is that they are not less than because they're Bible. And unfortunately, here in you know the states specifically, you're seen as less than if you're bivo. You know, like you're not good enough to be full time. No one's going to give you a full time paycheck. And I believe that is literally a lie from the pit of hell to get people to believe that they have some sort of a lesser ministry because they're bivo. I don't believe it at all. I believe that uh, you know Paul Percy was a great example. Did you see his comment in the group? No. So. He he was talking about, um, he goes, he works at, I think, Smart and Final, right? Isn't that yeah. where he's at? Yeah, and he's in Stanton. He's our new breed church plan, and we prayed for him for years, man. Yeah. And he came on the scene, um, and he's in Stanton. So he's like, yeah, one of my coworkers found out I was a pastor a couple of months ago. He used to make fun of me, called me a Jesus lover, and we've still developed this friendship, and he's told me his life story. He's an ex-gang member. Uh, He's been involved in drive-bys, both as the shooter and getting shot at. He's had friends who were shot and killed literally right next to him, shot in the head. And, um, and like now he's asking Paul to like pray for him and share the gospel with him. And uh, recently, uh, Oh, uh, Paul just got invited to his home because they just did a, a remodel and he goes, we're the only, me and my wife are the only non-family members that have been invited because they want us to bless the home. And I'm like, dude, this is what Bivo is, right? You yep. have a bigger impact on your community when you're Bivo because you're out there in it. Right. As opposed to, and again, I don't have a problem with full-time ministry or full-time pastors. There's a, there's a need for that. And God has called people to that. But this idea that you're less than, that you're somehow you know, not as good as the full-time guy because no one's going to give you a full-time check, it's a lie. And yeah. we're believing this lie and it's yep. affecting our influence for Christ. I mean, when you spend 40 to 50 hours a week in the marketplace with people who are not saved, that's what Paul did, right? He had a business. He was in the marketplace with people who didn't know Jesus because no one knew Jesus back then, right? I mean, totally different than like how America is today. And so that's really what this this group is for is I, I want Bible pastors to really understand that they are truly on the front lines of gospel expansion by being Bivo. So that's, that's the big thing that I've been working on this week is just getting that group set up and, you know, just working with the, the Bivo pastors. Right. 
Yeah. You know, it's funny, man. Cause, uh, I know, I know right before this, um, Pete was making fun of me for the textbook. Cause right now, if you talk to me, it's textbook, textbook, everything's a textbook. Uh, let me drop well, that. That's right. I got a textbook. A textbook I got to do Yes. I'm working on a textbook, but it, it literally is like my excuse for everything right now. It's like my El Nino back when El Nino was the thing, you know, Oh, sorry. I was late. Oh, sorry. No, I have my homework. El Nino. Um, so, uh, sorry, officer. I didn't get those new tags on my plates. El Nino. And, uh, the officer was like, fine, carry on citizen. Uh, everybody understood. So anyways, uh, the textbook is my personal El Nino. Uh, unfortunately, it's not everybody else's El Nino, but, uh, but anyways, um, man, I am reading right now about John Wesley. And it, I mean, I don't think we understand how radical um, a transition it was. Like, it wasn't just about preaching in the fields outside. It was that this guy decided, I've got to go after the people. When he said, all the world is my parish, he was literally saying, um, I have to get out there. And um, let people know about Christ. I've got to get the gospel to him. And so he goes out there, but he was one dude. And um, most clergy didn't want to join him. So he started grabbing hold of people that were metalsmiths and, you know, you, you name it, blacksmiths. Um, but, you know, it didn't matter what they did, right? Farmers. He started grabbing them and saying, hey, you can preach. You know, and it would start with these little societies. He'd go preach somewhere. He'd form a little meeting, a society where like eight to, to 12 people would sit down. They were, they were called the experience meeting. And what he would do is kind of like Rick Warren, Pete, that time we talked to him, he would wait and see how leadership emerged out of there. There would be somebody that as they're sitting there, they go, you know, this guy or, or this girl in some cases, um, Really, when they share the testimony or when they talk about what God's saying to them, it, the rest of the group is visibly moved. Why isn't this person out there? That's how circuit riders got born. And they were lay preachers, man. Like they were just people that they just committed, I'll, I'll write up and do this. And somebody else will watch a shop during that time. But that's what they did, man. And, and the reason that it grew, the Methodist uh, grew to being 10% of the population within like 40 years, man. Can you imagine that today? 10% of the population in 40 years is because they didn't have to fund it. Boom. Uh, mic drop? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's gone back to his textbook, Pete. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> if only Peyton would tell us that he's got a textbook he's doing. Yeah, working yeah. on a textbook, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I turned in 41 books to Point, Point Loma yesterday, Nazarene. So no wonder I'm reading all this Wesley stuff. They, they, they got so much of it. Hey, so uh, tell me, uh, what's been going on in your life, Peyton? Oh, it's been a rough week, man. So my, my beautiful... You've been working on your textbook, have you? I've been working on a textbook. Yes. And uh, <laughs> he's been, he's been bogged down a bit, Pete. I hear El Nino's back. Yeah. No, right. Zondervan.com forward slash Peyton's textbook. Um, <laughs> Forward slash El Nino, backward slash. Don't go there. So, uh, so, so basically, um, yeah, man. I, I, I've just. Uh, it's been a rough week. You know, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, we, we usually share about funny things, but uh, my daughter, man, just it, it, it turned out to be very good. But you know, she has to get her her feet stretched out um, because of the cerebral palsy in her in her ankle. So, 
we went in, man, that, that baby's the toughest baby, toughest person I know. I mean, my brother's got a high pain tolerance, but I tell you what, this little girl, ain't nobody got nothing on her. When she was a baby, she used to fall back and just grunt. Like when she'd smack her head on the floor, she'd just go, because <clears throat> she has like spina bifida and, you know, she, she was fighting for breath. Like that was nothing to her. And uh, the other night we, we put some casts on her and um, man, it just, it, it, I have not seen her in that much pain, you know? And Paul Percy, funny enough, was like, hey man, I saw that on Facebook and he was like, I remember as a kid and he goes, and I remember I couldn't sleep for weeks sometimes um, because the pain was so bad. So we had to take her back in. We had a sleepless night the other night and uh, poor thing. That's, that's just hard, man. That's no, nobody wants to go through that. So um, I'm still, I'm still, uh, I think it's still all hitting us here in the Jones household, but uh, we, we got a recast and that seems to be doing better, but um, yeah, just, that's it, man. Not, not a whole lot of funny stuff. Not a whole lot of good stuff. Um, yeah, that's it right now. Hey, you got a rat behind you. The other oh, side. is he running around? A little yeah, rat. That's my kitten. So that's Edward Scissorhands. He's jamming around. I want to. Andrea came up with the name Sid Vicious, and I kind of wish we had uh, we had called him Sid Vicious because he he attacks everything. So that's what he's going off to do is attack everything. But yeah, that's uh, that's Edward Scissorhands. Because you, you go near him, man. He's going to cut you. <laughs> you still have your dog, right? I do. Yeah. She's still here. Yeah. And in fact, that, this morning. You got to teach I, that dog to go attack the cats. I'm sorry. Oh, no. It's the other way around. This morning, the dog's in its bed. And dog's like 12. So dog's lazy bones. It's my dog from Wales. She's in bed. And uh, I just hear this. You can hear his little feet going thump, 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 little cat. And I just hear his thump, thump, thump. And I hear. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah i love it i love it well we should actually uh, get into our topic okay wait 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 you ready for it yep yep yep. i'm ready great scott it's time for this week's topic let's get down to the nitty-gritty <laughs> our, our sound effects don't work anymore so now we got to do them audibly <laughs> <laughs> we say that to a real radio dj we're like <laughs> Our it's sound not the podcast planners need or deserve. It's a plan. Rock roll. <laughs> See, <laughs> sound effects don't work anymore. Rock roll. <laughs> All right. So uh, today's topic, as we said, is uh, kind of like what I learned from my mentors, and uh, we're going to have um, Andy on here today to talk about Pete because he was a mutual friend. We both knew him, and uh, Andy knew him first. Ha ha. But uh, anyways, basically, what happened was, um, like I said, he was chaperoning um, Pete and Lorna, Jeffrey. Uh, Pete, by the way, was, I'll just give a little bit of background of Pete. Peter Jeffrey was uh, hands down the best preacher I have ever heard in my life, right? Just power, anointing, the ability to exposit, the ability to not waste a word, which is a lost skill set. He wasn't out for the cheap laugh. He wasn't out for the, you know, when he was preaching, when he preached, it was a holy moment to him. And that dude was used to seeing people uh, come to faith. He had lived through what I would call a mini revival up in rugby, England. Um, he would not classify it as that. He was as conservative as Lloyd Jones on his definition of revival. But incidentally, he was discipled and mentored by Martin Lloyd Jones. Um, Lloyd Jones once said that he was he was his protege. 
Um, he actually ended up pastoring at Sandfields Port Talbot. Lloyd Jones only pastored two churches, uh, Sandfields in Aberavon, Wales, um, Port Talbot, and also uh, Westminster Chapel in London. And Pete, uh, his last pastorate was in Sandfields. But out of his three pastorates, it's the the second one, which was rugby, which, like I said, the spirit just fell um, on that place like a bomb. And during a few years there, um, Pete was literally, because uh, I used to go up there and preach, and I, I people would tell me what happened. It was in the 80s. He would literally run to the pulpit from the prayer room. He would go straight from the prayer room to the pulpit, um, and he would run. He was so excited because every week, for years, people were coming to Christ every single Sunday. Um, the name of the church was Railway Terrace, and it was just, it was one of those old-fashioned double-deckers where you had like the wrought iron railings, you know, painted all gold, and gorgeous chapels from the Victorian era. era. And uh, that place just got packed out, just like it did in Lloyd-Jones's day. And Pete, interestingly enough, the, I can say to you, if I said to you today, um, Oh, uh, you know, um, Francis Chan or John Piper or best preacher I ever heard, you would resonate because you go, Oh, I've heard him. Eh, he's not the best I heard or whatever. You don't know Peter Jeffrey. And we're going to come back to that later. Um, but still, um, here was a dude who had an uncanny anointing and could preach the gospel in a way that I think few have mastered. And yet, um, you haven't heard of him. And there's a lesson in that. We'll come back to it. But Pete got into ministry when he was a young man. It's His testimony was actually published in book form. It was called, I Will Never Become a Christian. He, he was the writer of over 30 books. He's a little more known in the UK. Um, he uh, would be featured on the Martin Lloyd Jones Trust. Um, but one of the things that's important to know about him was he said that line, I will never become a Christian, to his wife on the afternoon that he was converted. He actually was on his way to a meeting. Uh, I believe it was Billy Graham. And um, he told, he told Lorna who he was starting to, to fancy as they say over there. Um, I will never become a Christian that night. He was saved, but he, he marries Lorna. He doesn't go into ministry. He becomes a prison guard. And during that time, they lose a baby. And he, through that time of brokenness and, you know, of course, everything in life and death, you're, you're reevaluating everything. He felt during that time, and he, he's never gotten really detailed about it. Um, I asked him, he mentioned it in our interview over on Ministry Ninja, but he never really got very detailed with me, and I've not read anything super detailed. But during that time, he felt a call to the ministry. And he, at that time, um, I believe he was, he was going to a little mission church um, in South Wales because uh, I preached there. And that was a place he first started preaching. But he eventually took a church uh, in Cumbran, which uh, is further east, kind of closer to the English border, but still a valley town. Now, nothing really exciting, I don't think, happened there. But I think uh, Pete learned you know, like all of us do, you know, uh, kind of where we come to an end of ourselves and um, you know, we give it our best shot. But then he goes to rugby. And when he goes to rugby, he goes to what was called the Bala Ministers Conference, which uh, was organized um, largely in those days by Lloyd-Jones. He goes to that. Of course, Lloyd-Jones has passed away, I think, around this time. And uh, he, it, there was a charge, he said, that people were saying, 
you know, we've got to reach more people with the gospel. And of course, Pete was a born, died in the wool evangelist. And Pete comes back and he's troubled. And he says to his church, I don't care what it is that we do. We just can't do nothing for this next year. I don't care what it is. I don't care what outreaches we do, what it looks like. We've just got to get out there in the highways and byways and compel them to come in. And Pete said this, and uh, one of his elders um, said, I don't know if that's exactly true, because I remember a few people coming to faith through those events, but they, they went for it as a congregation. And Pete would say, um, I, I don't remember that anyone cared. I, I don't think any people came to faith. That, that's what I remember him saying. And, but he said, but the spirit started to fall on us as a congregation. We got out there. Now, fast forward to reaching the unreached. Those of you that read my book, cha-ching, that's, I have to do that. It's obligatory on this podcast. If you plug your book, um, I mention something about this, that something happens when we get out there and we start acting in obedience to the great commission that God starts to supply what we lack, right? That unless we get out there uh, on mission, there's there's no reason for God to empower us <laughs> for, for a lot of what we do, right? Um, because we're, we're operating out of comfort and security, and God's like, well, you don't need me for just kind of what you're doing there. So uh, that Pentecost experience is what started to happen in that church. And that's where kind of like the old Welsh revivalists would say, you know, the spirit came upon them, um, anointed them. Like David Morgan, Welsh preacher, said for a two-year period, he says, one morning, uh, one night I went to bed, David Morgan, I woke up the next morning a lion, right? It was the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Then two years later, when the revival was done, he says, I went to bed a lion, I woke up the next morning, David Morgan, right? There was this special empowerment. And Pete had that in rugby. And it, it was kind of legendary. I mean, you know, uh, just... I mean, I could tell story after story, but I'll stop because Andy's on here. He's a guest and I want to give him uh, a chance. But uh, the way that I can, can met, you tell Andy that he's a pastor? Cause he hasn't one let more anyone thing. One say more anything. Thing. One more thing. Yeah. One more thing. Yeah. One more thing. Yeah. Before, <laughs> one more before thing. We end, before we end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and in closing, uh, in closing, my final point. Um, I told you I'm doing a, a, a textbook. right uh you two are not allowed to occupy the podcast anymore together uh but any anyways so pete uh towards uh, towards after he moves on from there he goes to martin lloyd jones's sandfields church um then he eventually starts an itinerant ministry which is how i met him through andy um where like i said they were touring all over that was pete's plan and Pete ended up having a heart attack when he was preaching in the open air in Aberystwyth, um, mm-hmm. which is up north. Um, if you've watched The Crown, um, that's where they send uh, Prince Charles up to Aberystwyth. The promenade there is a, is a famous spot for preachers in the summer. He's preaching in the open air, uh, the gospel, master of the 10-minute sermon. He has a heart attack. And in his hospital bed, um, Jesus just really rocks him. He's reading an old Welsh hymn by uh, an old uh, revival hymnist. I mean, if you were in Wales, you'd know him, William Williams Panacellan. And he reads this hymn, and in it, uh, 
William Williams writes, he is greater than his blessings. He's greater than his grace. And Pete has this head-on collision just with Jesus. And, you know, he, he knows God. You just sometimes have these experiences. And that rocked Pete. And that, that was kind of the, I would say, almost kind of like the beginning of the end of Pete's public ministry, where all of the, the trappings of it, all the things of it, he didn't need that anymore. Um, he just wanted Christ. And Pete, you know, you've never heard of him. And, and Andy and I were talking about this before. Um, it's really powerful to me that to have heard him and to have known that he started this itinerant where he was traveling worldwide. If he had not had that heart attack, you would have all heard of him by now. He would have been all, he was starting to get played on radio stations. He's starting to get, um, you know, in the internet uh, that was being pioneered back then. Pete was, was starting to kind of hit his stride. And yet this was kind of the deal in that hospital bed. Pete came to the realization that none of that mattered. Um, Christ was all that mattered. And for me, one of the greatest lessons is here's this guy that I don't think anyone I've ever heard. Uh, and you can go to peterjeffrey.org and listen to her listen to his sermons. You can hear him and you'll, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about when you hear him. But God's business was not making anybody famous. You guys that are going into church planning, some of you are still thinking you're going to be famous one day and that's what you want. And, and the reality is God doesn't give a rip about you being famous. He didn't give a rip about it for Pete. He doesn't give a rip about it for me or for Andy. Um, Andy's been into countless prisons sharing the gospel, seeing people come to faith. That's the stuff that matters in eternity. And for Pete, I was at his funeral and I actually got to speak at his funeral. And the, the pastor there asked the question, how many of you are here? Place was packed, by the way. Um, how many of you are here because of Peter's ministry? You're, you're a Christian today. And most of the room raised their hands. That's the stuff that matters. So I'm going to bow out here, Andy. No, you're you're absolutely right, uh, Peyton. Um, I, my thoughts immediately go, and again, you know, if we're talking about one of our um, uh, mentors, obviously the mentor that Peter had. Uh, was Martin Lloyd-Jones. And, you know, Martin uh, used to say, if I stand in the pulpit and preach and I, I meet you at the back door and you go, oh, man, that was a great sermon. Oh, that was, oh, doctor, you were spot on. He says, then I failed. He said, but if I'm standing at the back door after that service and you bypass me and you're talking to somebody else about Jesus, he says, I've come close to what I've been called to do. You see, the fame that we seek is not our own. It's that of Christ. I must decrease. He must increase. And Pete lived that quintessentially. Uh, but again, it, see, over, over in England, you were kind of raised that way. And you know this well, more than most, uh, Peyton. Um, the congregations over in England pretty much make sure that you know that. I mean, they're going to have you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then spit you out five times sideways. They, uh, they want to make sure that the vicar is, is, is quite <laughs> humble. That, I remember you warning me about that, and I'll tell you, brother, that, that kicked my teeth in, but also made me tough. <laughs> it does. But see, again, at the end of the day, this is about Christ. I, I, you know, you mentioned that I spent time in the prisons, uh, Corcoran State Prison, five years. I was, 
I know myself. I know that working in the industry I've worked in for 40 years, you have to have a sense of pride and a sense of arrogance to be successful. It's probably why I wasn't as successful as many others were. Um, That's not me. Uh, I always made it about everybody else. But in prison, I knew that as I started my preaching ministry formally in prison, I was grateful to God because you couldn't bring a tape recorder in and record those sermons. Mm. The first five years of my ministry were in front of 50 guys a sermon, three sermons a, a day, and nobody recorded anything and nobody knew anything. It stayed inside those prison walls. And that helped me walk through the idea that this isn't about me. This is about something greater than me, and that is Christ. And I think that's what Pete lived more than most, and almost to a point of pride in that sense. Um, He could care less what other people thought of him. At the end of the day, as he would tell me, oh boy, you know, um, (laughs) you stand in that pulpit and you're God's man for the hour, and your, uh, your audience, your congregation isn't the people in front of you. It's Christ. It's so good. I remember hearing him once. Um, for, in fact, uh, the way I got to hear him was I got back from Wales and my brother-in-law was like, oh, are you coming to the men's meeting? I, now, I got in late Saturday, Thursday night or Friday night and um, stopped over to Andrews and he goes, oh, tomorrow morning, you know, uh, 6 a.m. And it was in Lisa Viejo from Huntington. It was like a 45 yep. minute drive. Pacific Hills Church. And so I'm thinking, oh, I'm not going to sleep tonight. So I thought he was joking because he's a practical joker. He goes, oh, he's from Wales. He was studying under Lloyd Jones. He was mentored by him. And I, I thought, oh, he's joking. He's laughing the whole time he's telling me. <laughs> and that's just him. You never know if you got a practical joke coming. I go and hear him. Can't believe what he shares first off. But then at the end, somebody, there's Q&A and someone said, are you going to share or maybe the announcer, somebody said, Pete's going to share. Someone said, are you going to share tomorrow? And Pete goes, exactly. he goes, well, let me stop you right there. I don't share. Yes. He goes, I preach. I preaching is different. Sharing yep. is when it comes from me. He goes, I hope that when I'm taking your time and occupying this place, I preach the gospel. Mm. I'm going to proclaim Jesus Christ, him crucified and resurrected. I remember sitting there going, dang, (laughs) like that dude's not messing around. Pete was uh, on the private side of life. Uh, He loved his rugby. He loved his his Westerns. He loved John Wayne. Uh, He loved his dog. He loved Lorna and his family. And he was, he was just a normal guy. Nobody yep. ever, you know, you run across him in the streets and you think, oh yeah, nobody, nobody specific. But boy, I tell you what, he knew where the power and authority came from and he knew it wasn't within himself. And he knew it to the point that he could trust it explicitly. So when he did step into the pulpit, he was somebody else. Totally. Oh my gosh, dude. It's, it's so funny you say that because that's one of the biggest takeaways about Pete is he was a normal dude. And that gave yeah. me hope as a young guy that I can be exactly who I am, yeah. yes. but also know how Paul says so that you would know that, that the power is not of us, you know, um, or Peter says that, you know, this was done. So you would know the power is not of us, you know, yeah. but, but, but from Christ and Paul later goes, Hey, when I'm weak, I'm strong, you know, I'm weak in yeah. myself. 
but the spirit of God, the power of Christ might rest on me in my weakness. He was a model of that because you would, you would hang out with him and you'd be like, I don't get it. Like, yeah. this is just a normal dude. Like, I don't, yeah. where, where's this? I expect him to be kind of like Moses, you know, like, you know, kind of like the Dalai Lama, like, bless you, my son. He was as <laughs> real as they came. Yeah. But when he was in that pulpit, man, something just yeah. hit him. And he was wise. I mean, shoot, he had a wisdom that was uncanny. There was a simplicity. And one of one of the big takeaways, I've got several from him that uh, I've incorporated into my life. Uh, he always told me, he said, if you want to be a good gospel preacher, go to the pensioner's house, you know, uh, the convalescent home for you and I here in the States. <laughs> and, and, and he sent me there. <laughs> constantly he was convinced and rightly so that you needed to start there because their their attention span was that of a child yep. five minutes max yep. he said if you can yep. if you can train yourself to preach the gospel in five minutes or less that will help you in your pulpit ministry because you won't follow the rabbit trails you won't follow the the ideas and the things that are ancillary to what really matters and that's the gospel I asked him once, I go, Pete, how do you, how do you preach? Cause I was asked to go speak at a luncheon. I go, how do you preach for only 10 minutes? That seems really hard. And he goes, Oh, you preach to nine minutes, almost 10. And when it gets to 10, you stop, man. You Pete, stop. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was like that Bob Newhart sketch, Pete. <laughs> Two words. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> But what, yeah, he, he wasn't one to mince words, and he wasn't one to beat around the bush. Uh, he was convinced, and again, rightly so, that you go right to the heart of the matter. People are there for a specific purpose and a reason in your preaching. They're not there to hear your great oratory skills. No. They're, they're there to hear about Jesus, and that's your job. And I, again, uh, now when I preach 40 minutes, I'm, I pray— and Lord willing, I'm usually, you know, on, on the money. There's nothing that's throwaway. I, I hate throwaway stuff when I'm, t when I'm preaching. I want to make yeah. sure that everything I say brings it back to Christ and the reason people need to find shelter in him. Right. And, and, and again, that started by going to the, uh, to the old folks' home. I did. I that's got so back good. to Australia and uh, we started doing old folks' homes. And it, you know, it takes a bit of practice, but you can preach the gospel in five minutes effectively. It's funny you mention that because he sent me the old folks home when I first got to Sandfields and um, five minutes, same thing, exactly the same. And I was so proud of myself because I'm like, I'm going to do this five minute thing. I'm going to do it. I, I kid you not. Two minutes in, this old guy sitting at a table goes, is he done yet? He just goes on and on and on. And I was like so shattered, like, man, I had this five minutes down. You're, you're interrupted. I only got five minutes. But no, two minutes, man, two minutes in, this guy shattered my world. Yeah. Oh, no, brevity and uh, focused attention on what it is you're preaching. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you've kind of alluded to it already, but uh, – just the utter dependence upon the spirit yeah. uh, to, to orchestrate it all and make sure you're saying what you're saying. Just really, to, what was it? I think Spurgeon said, if you walk into a pulpit proud, you walk out humbled. But if yeah. you walk into it humbled, you'll walk out exalted. Right. Uh, and, and, and that is so true. Uh, again, 
Um, and that's the misnomer I think our culture here in the States really promotes is this celebrity mentality. And, and you, you end up getting a lot of emphasis and focus on that as you go in. Uh, whether from good motives or false, it's still going to, it's going to bury you. You you can't Mm. go in that way. You just can't do it. Andy, what, what things do you think, um, that, that, you know, cause we're speaking to church planners and they're, they're getting started out. Some of them have have been in ministry. Some of them haven't, but if you were to, to kind of like you did the things that you've incorporated, what would be some principles that you would think, man, if, if they were going to learn something from Peter's life and legacy, um, something we could pass on from our mentor to them, what would you say would be some things that that would be takeaways that they could incorporate besides the two you mentioned? First and foremost, I think for me, um, find a couple of Caleb's, grab a hold of their coattails, and do not let go. Find a couple of old guys. Uh, you know, the, the, the way I met Peter... Um, our church, uh, Calvary Chapel Visalia at the time, was looking for some uh, 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 some textbooks. Uh, you could help them. <laughs> textbooks. That's what we were looking for. Textbooks. We need textbooks. We, we, we were looking for something to walk new believers through. And Pete had just come out with a book called All Things New. But we wanted to convert it to, uh, I, th- I think at the time it was either New King James or NIV. Oh, I believe it was NIV. And, and that was the whole time when Pete was going through getting Sandfields out of the King James and into the NIV as well. And so we actually flew him out. And he came out for a week and walked us through, helped us redesign all things new and created a, a, not only a book, but a, a textbook to go along with it. And at that time, he said, look, I'd love to have some of your guys come over and minister at Sandfields. And he told me later, he said, the reason I wanted that is because the, the median age at Sandfields at the time was 55. And there were no young kids. The median age of the mission group that went over to Sandfields from our church was 28. And I tell you, I've often used the illustration, we, but we were bathed in prayer going over. And I, I often refer to the illustration of we were a needle sterilized by prayer and grace, <clears throat> prayer and the spirit, to go over and uh, insert ourselves for a, uh, a week and a half into that church so that God might dispense his grace into the old folks. And we, uh, our team, met up with something highly unusual. Uh, Ivor Evans, 98 years old, been walking with Christ since he was four. Uh, same with uh, Olive Arnold, uh, her husband. I mean, these guys have been walking with Christ since the age of four. They're in their 80s and 90s, and they've never wavered, Peyton, never. Uh, that's unheard of. We always, How many stories do you and I hear? Of, oh, well, I wandered away, and I came back now. Mm. And, and we hear that's so common here in, our, in the States. But that was that was unheard of over there. And they in that generation too had been raised by the generation that had lived through the revival. Exactly. And then they had to go through World War II. And right. so they had, I, I mean, their faith 
was just so solidly secure in Christ. And I remember distinctly telling Pete uh, at one point, I wish we had some of your old folks over with us. He said, well, that's why I brought you, Boy. And I, I learned then that old guys, old guys, get the yeah. old guy. You, you will never have a successful ministry if yeah. you maintain a youth around you yep. because it's inexperience and there's no wisdom that matches. Well, it's and, like uh, Jeroboam, isn't it? You know, yeah. when uh, Jeroboam, yeah. Solomon's son, it says he goes to the older uh, counselors and they give him good counsel. And then he goes to his friends, the young guys, and they tell him the wrong thing. And he goes, yeah, that. And it, the kingdom's ripped away from him as a result. And see, our, our, our ideology here in the States is, well, we're reaching young people, so we got to have young people reach the young people. Right. And I'm sorry, but Titus 2 says the exact opposite. And my experience with Pete was you need the wisdom of those old Caleb's to walk you through how to reach not just the young folks, but the old folks as well. This isn't an age-specific thing. The gospel transcends all age groups, all generations, and all cultures. And the minute you get that, the minute you begin to realize that there is value in some of these old folks that have been walking with the Lord 40, 50, 60 years, that's invaluable. You don't. Sadly, we've tossed them to the side. We've relegated them over to that little room over there where they can have their own worship service and they can watch us on the big screen. Meanwhile, over here, we've got the latest and the greatest and everything is wonderful. And I'm sorry, it's not. You You know, it's so funny because leadership development and mentorship and all that, it wasn't really, uh, at least in the circles I was in, it wasn't being talked about as much. And what I've realized now as I've gotten older, that so many of the things that we think we're new figuring out the generation yeah. before us figured them out, you know, and, and if they didn't pass them on or we weren't, you know, bothered to listen to the generation, but we're even engaged in those conversations, like you said, yeah. um, then, then we miss out. We have to learn the same mistakes. I remember um, saying to my wife, getting off the phone after years of being over there about maybe seven, eight years, uh, I was there for 12. Pete used to call me every Monday morning. How'd it go, boy? How'd it go yesterday? Yeah which I think he got from the doctor. Cause I know he used to say that the doctor would, would reach out to him yes. and ask him similar things. But Pete tracked with me every week for the entire time I was there. Every Monday I'd I get will, a call. I will tell you this. He didn't track with you every week on a Monday. He tracked with you every day because while he may have talked to you on Monday, right. he was praying for you Tuesday through Sunday. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and the thing is, I knew that. Yeah, uh, I guess that would be another one is when when you've got old guys, they can't move as fast as you. They can't be as animated as you. There's a lot of things us older guys can't do anymore, but we can pour ourselves into you through prayer. Mm-hmm. And we are thankful to pray yep. for you. We've got that time now. Yep. Um, we've got the wisdom and we've got the understanding that God is God, man. I could pour into you all the wisdom and knowledge I've gleaned from books over the years, or I could sit down and talk with God about you. And I would, I'm sorry, but uh, I know, I know my God. I know if I can sit down and talk with him about you for a little bit, you've got a good foundation. 
Uh, I'm convinced of that. And that was Pete. Yeah. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt who his God was. And he had, he was, he was not ashamed to go to him and say, Hey, uh, this boy here, uh, he should be preaching. <laughs> and that's the other thing about yeah. old folks. We want to pass on all of the joy and delight of ministry that we've experienced. We want to see the young generation. I, that's the one thing. Ivor Davies, oh, and I'll see if I can do this uh, without losing it. But two weeks, and he died shortly after we were there. Uh, he was 98. But for two weeks, I never met him without tears in his eyes. Mm. He was so excited to see a generation coming up underneath him. He, you know, um, what, what's the verse in Scripture? Um, I'm excited, and so now I've lost it. Um, you, you've got a generation coming up underneath us. You know, um, we haven't lost hope. Uh, what we did for that con that small congregation, which really paved the way for you being there, by the way. Yeah. Um, what we did for that congregation was to show them that God did have a remnant. There was a new generation coming up. And what he did for us, us young boys, was reminding us that he was able to preserve that which is his. He, he, he yeah. was, a oh, Peyton to watch these old guys yep. finish out their lit, they die, as, as Wesley said, our people die well. Mm. And to see that gave me great hope and encouragement that God does keep that which he has committed unto himself against that So day. true, man. And I, I can remember, you know, being on the phone, getting off the phone and saying to Andrea, next time Peter Jeffrey gives me advice, because I, I was a young guy that thought I knew better. You know, like, oh, you can mentor me in preaching, but, um, but on the other stuff, I... I said to Andrea, if I ever get off the phone with Peter and don't do exactly what he suggests, smack me, punch me <laughs> in the face. Because every time that guy gave me advice and I ignored it, I reaped the consequences. Yeah. And I just, it, at a certain point, wisdom kicked in that said, you know, you should really listen to him. <laughs> and I didn't, you know, which those of you listening to the podcast, it won't surprise you, right? You know me already. But here's the thing. Um, uh, there was another, uh, there was a whole generation of guys like him that Lloyd-Jones had kind of um, discipled. Well, yes. Real quick, um, I remember this one guy, I asked a question about Lloyd-Jones, but couldn't we all, you know, and he looked at me and he said, you're no Lloyd-Jones. And he was, he was, uh, it was Graham, uh, you'll, you know who I'm talking about, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Christian hymns. Yes. But he, you know, same with Pete. Pete had seen, it didn't matter how gifted we thought we were. Pete had seen, I hadn't seen a lick of what that, that dude had sat under the doctor. He had experienced a, a local revival. Um, and guys like that, they will encourage you and cheer you on, but they won't yes. let you think you're all that. They're going to get your eyes back on Jesus because they're yeah. like, I'm not impressed by you. You know, yeah. you're more impressed with you than you probably should be. Um, I'm not that impressed with you. So um, yeah. I know that, that uh, we're going to have to go. Uh, because we're running out of time, but uh, but Andy, I want to thank you for coming on today and yeah. um, for sharing um, with us. Uh, any any uh, final thoughts, you Pete, before we get out? Because I know Pete's got a jam right on that. Can I can I give you one last one last Please. encouragement, Pete? Please. And that was his wife. You know, um, uh, uh, Beth Ann Lloyd Jones uh, always maintained that God had called. Martin to preach, and he's called me to keep him there. He's called Martin to the pulpit, and he's called me to keep him there. Lorna lived that out 
um, she was a true Tabitha uh, and, and uh, exuded every bit of what Peter says in his gospel or his epistle about uh, Sarah. Um, you, you cannot do ministry. You cannot do this unless your wife, your helpmeet, uh, your better half is there with you every step of the way. Uh, crucial, crucial. Uh, find old guys and make sure your wife is on board 1,000%. Uh, without those two, you're going to really struggle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Pete. So uh, let me ask you, Peyton, uh, when you're, when you're getting all this help with your uh, preaching, uh, who can help you out with all your bookkeeping and your, your IRS compliance and your, uh, and your tax statements? What's that? And your textbooks <clears throat> and your textbooks. Who can help you know, when I'm busy that. working on a textbook or a sermon, Pete, what I like to do is I like to give all of that financial stuff that all the responsibility and things that are just time consuming, Pete. I like to give those to the folks over at simplifychurch.com. Wait, simplifychurch.com? Who's that? Oh, it's simple, Pete. They'll help simplify all your church finances and your bookkeeping needs. Ah, oh, simplifychurch.com. I got to remember that and check them out. Thanks for sharing that, Peyton. That's right, Pete. It's simplifychurch.com. Simplifychurch.com. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> well, guys, oh. hey, today has been a real honor for me catching up with an old friend. Um, and also, uh, guys, just uh, thanks for indulging us, letting us share a little bit about Peter Jeffrey. You can look him up online, Peter Jeffrey. Uh, I think one of them is Peter Jeffrey Sermons, and also there's PeterJeffrey.org. So um, check it out if you want to listen to him. But more than that, I, we hope the takeaway today is that you need a mentor. And, you know, yeah. the, the couple takeaways that Andy gave today, which is, hey, you ain't all that. Um, it's about glorifying Christ and depending on the Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit finds a person like that, you become like a lightning rod. If that's your motive is to lift up Jesus and not build your own thing, then the world's going to need to look out because God's going to pretty much come down in power and anoint you. And uh, so my guest today has been Andy Froyland and uh, my co-host Pete Mitchell. And we want to thank you for joining us for this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. And we want to remind you that if you're not reaching the, see, I'm getting thrown off. I'm such an amateur. He's, he's, he's blowing smoke in my face. He's and, literally uh, blowing smoke in your face. Literally. And uh, remember, uh, Pete, you do. I if can't you want to it. reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Ah, uh, these youngsters, podcasters, they think they can do it. Thanks a lot, Andy. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.